Hello, hello. My name is Keisha Chung. And my name is Muna Traore. And welcome to the Collective Culture Creative Conversations podcast. Where we chat with different BIPOC creatives and community leaders we love and admire. everybody and welcome to the show it's april it's spring yes it is keisha okay (laughs) she's feeling the vibe i'm feeling it i'm feeling it. it's warm outside i know you're in la muna but like it has been dark and gray here in toronto i I can believe it i can believe it that's why i always leave (laughs) fair well welcome to the show everybody welcome to our april edition of the podcast thank you for tuning in and listening my name is Keisha Chung. And my name's Muna Traore. And today we have a very special episode lined up for you. Um, we're going to be doing things a bit different. I mean, we're going to go through and do our check-in and talk about what's feeding us. And then instead of an interview today, we are going to have a very candid and explosive conversation about I May Destroy You, the new HBO show by uh, Michaela Cole. Well, it came out last year, but it, it, it's it, new for me, bitch. <laughs> and honestly, for half of it is new for me, too. Because <laughs> Yeah. So audience, Keisha somehow managed to only watch half of the episodes and somehow thought that she'd seen the entire season. Yeah, it was bad. I like we were supposed to record the podcast uh, like a couple days ago and I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to rewatch it. And then I get to episode seven and it said continue. And I was like oh shit there's more episodes and I messaged and our producer and Muna and I was like so guys um I still need to watch half the show <laughs> anyways so you're basically brand new I am brand new too I'm a brand new bitch up here. okay um but before we get into I may destroy you let's do our check-in how you doing Muna I am so happy um it's weird um I think that like daily meditation and prayer is like really doing its thing in my life like today's like what day 83 or something like that oh wow and I am feeling really really good um I feel like a lot of challenging things are not um sitting with me as long like I'm just letting shit go and moving the fuck on I'm not really holding on to things that sometimes, you know, ruminate. Um, I'm still really annoying to my boyfriend, I think, but I'm working on that. And I think that has <laughs> more to do with COVID than anything. And just the fact that he's the only other person that I see. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'm good. I started with a new therapist. Oh, congrats. How's that going? Really good. She's a black woman based in LA and um the way in which she operates, I feel like really gels with me. And it's really crazy because a year ago when I initially moved to LA and obviously like pre-pandemic, she was the top person on my list of therapists I wanted to meet with because I just really liked her credits and I really liked um, how she sort of um, identified herself online on Psychology Today, (laughs) Um, which is like, you know, Therapist 101. That's great. And so um, she was the one therapist that I was really excited to meet with and sit down and connect with. And I never ended up doing it because I assumed that this pandemic would be over and then I'd just meet her in person and I didn't want to do an introduction over Zoom. But obviously one year into this pandemic, I realized that we are 
fully strapped into this bitch. So I might as well just take the L, go on Zoom and, um, you know, start the relationship. And it's been really, really great. That's great. I'm happy to hear that. It's it's weird because I started therapy during the pandemic. So it's going to be odd thinking about going into an office once all this. I don't even want to say once it ends, once that's allowed again, that's kind of it's going to be odd that transition. But do you do you think you're you'll be excited for it? Have you ever done it? Oh, no, I've never like, but I'm so excited. I definitely want to meet my therapist in person. I think it'll completely change, you know, the connection that you can have with someone. You can see people's body language more. Excuse me. I think we'll be able to understand each other better, you know, so. Um, But I'm happy for you. This is great. This is fantastic news. Yeah. Um, A lot of people have remarked about just even like through interactions online or through text, how much happier I seem than I did like, you know, last year. And so I'm. I've made progress and I feel good about it. That's great. Your spirit feels more elevated. I will say that uh, Thank to that you. pool of people. Um, we love to see it, Mona. And how are you, Keisha? Let's do a check in with you. What's going on? <sighs> What's new? What's great? Okay. Well, I, I already feel... know somebody's irritating you. I can tell. Yo, I can tell people, by your vibration. People <laughs> are coming. They came for me this month and I don't know why. I don't, I don't know. I'm going to get in sentiment in a, in a minute. I'll start with the good things. Um, I've been getting up early, which has been fun. Like, like how early? Like, like what's seven, early? Oh, like 7 a.m. Well, like, that's early. That's early. And like, I swear when we started this, I remember saying my sleep cycle was off. I'm finally getting it. It was fantastic. Um, it's fantastic now. Sorry, because I'm waking up earlier. I feel better. My sleep cycle is a little off because of the time change that happened like last weekend. So that kind of like I started getting up at seven and then the time change happened and now it's eight. So like it kind of got moved an hour, but it's cool. I'm adjusting. At least it's sunny. I got to go running again, which has been great. Um, I shot a project uh, a couple weeks ago, which was really great. It's a short amazing. I did. Really so amazing. Team. I know. Thank you. I was so excited. Like shout out the Holy Trinity team. Y'all are the best. Um, but yeah, we did a great, <laughs> we did a great job. It was so fun. Um, last week was, I was very busy last week. I've been, oddly enough, I've been getting a lot of commercial casting requests for those that don't know. I also model on the side, so I don't know. It's weird. And I've never really done them as much before. Um, I booked a commercial, which was great. So yeah, it's just been like really busy trying to manage everything. Um, Look at you booked and busy, booked and busy and feeling good about it. Um, and yeah, those are all the good things going on. Okay. Tell us about the fuckery. Who got you fucked up this week? Okay. I just, I, I just, I know this podcast is a space for us to, you know, share good vibes and everything. So I'm not going to make this long. I'm going to try to keep this as short as possible, but I'm not going to get into specifics about who I spoke with, but I will say that I had about four very frustrating conversations, three of which were with men. One was with an older black woman. And, oh yeah. And what I want to say to people is that if you're ever in a position, <clears throat> excuse me, where speak up, speak up. If you're ever in a position where, okay. If you're ever in a position where you're speaking to somebody about identity, about oppression, and in some capacity, you have privilege over them because of your identity. I have really, really good advice for you. What you should do in those situations. Okay. So 
if you're a man speaking to a woman about sexism, if you are a straight person speaking to a queer person about homophobia, if you are an able-bodied person speaking to a disabled person about accessibility, all you need to do is just listen to them. That's it. You just need to listen because I've been put in these situations where in this past month, where I've had to validate my experience as particularly as a black woman to men. And it has been so frustrating, so frustrating because it's like you're sitting there and you're talking and, you know, I have to validate my experiences of sexism, of oppression to you when you have no context to even know what that's like. So please, guys, please, 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 if you're ever in these positions and someone is speaking to you about their experience of oppression or of pain they've experienced in that capacity, just listen to them. That's all it takes. Is that hard to ask, Luna? From men, yes. (laughs) And I don't want to, like, I don't want this to sound like a man-hating thing because, again, like, my fourth conversation was with an older Black woman. And in that context, we were speaking about, like, cancel culture. And we were talking about how, um, like what it means. And I was sitting in a room with other older black women and they were asking me. And then this lady comes in and she starts like talking over me as if she knew more about this when like I grew up in it and was kind of like trying to make me feel like my opinion wasn't valid. But it's like, I was actually the one asked here, not you. And then you're going to turn around and like, it was just, it was so frustrating. And I just had to like hold my tongue. And that's something I really have to learn how to do more because I just, I keep getting in these situations. And it's did so- any of the other women step in and sort of like redirect the conversation? Yeah, but we did. I didn't even get to finish my point. Like I was asked the que- the question was, the questions were directed to me. And then the conversation kind of took a couple turns, but it just got to a point where I was like, okay, well, I was the one asked and you're not even letting me speak you know? And it's obviously different. Like, you know, at the top of this, I was saying, if you have ever have like an identity, if your, your identity ever gives you privilege over someone, and that wasn't really the case here. It just felt more like an age thing where she felt that she knew more than me about something that I actually know more than you about. And like, it's not to say that she couldn't provide insight into the conversation, but it was kind of like, you're not even letting me talk. And that's my point is like, she wasn't trying to listen to what I had to say. You know? Yeah, she didn't hold space for you. And that's no. really frustrating. It is. It is. But it's, you know, but it's her loss and the loss of the people in the audience because they didn't get to have your unique perspective. Yeah, and you. so, and she probably just made herself look like a dumbass to the people in the audience, possibly. Yeah, it was, it was So weird. there's that. And like with the men thing, like. Or I, sorry, I don't even know. I'm imagining this as a panel discussion. I don't actually know if it was. <laughs> sorry. It could have been in your auntie's living room. I don't want to be to give away too much about it, but like it was, it, it was just, it was very frustrating. And that was kind of like my last straw. Like that was like, that happened more recently. And the one, the, the multiple conversations I had with straight men this month, y'all need to check yourselves, man. Okay. You guys need to check yourselves. When black women are telling you about their experiences, about their experiences of oppression, of sexism, of racism, and how those intertwine, listen to us. We know what we're talking about. Stop trying to tell me about myself. Stop trying to tell me about my sisters and my friends and my cousins' experiences because you don't know. You're actually adding to that oppression by doing what you're doing. Listen Mm -hmm. to us, please. And it's triggering all over again to be put in the position of having to like 
legitimize whatever it is you're like explaining exactly and it's like what at what point does my voice matter if not about my own experience at what point does it matter then you know what I mean and like people were trying me this month and I'm just I'm I'm tired of it and like in all seriousness like it's it's also very hurtful it's just it's hurtful and it doesn't make me feel like I'm being heard like you said, like people are holding space for me to express myself and it's very frustrating. So please, if you're ever in those positions that I said at the beginning of this, where you have privilege over somebody and they're speaking on their experience, just listen to them. Just listen. Mm -hmm. That's all it takes. And if listening to them makes you feel uncomfortable, if you start feeling like you're being attacked, that's something that you have to wrestle with. That's something that you have to interrogate. That's not for me to interrogate for you. That means you have some work to do because we all do. This world is so problematic. This world's fucked up. Okay, we all internalize things. So please just listen, ask questions, and and don't tell me about my own experiences. And I'm done now. I'm done. Thank you, Keisha. You're welcome. I'm sorry, guys, if that was long, but <laughs> does it feel good? It feels better. I it feels better, but yeah. Anyways, that's how I'm doing. That's the that's the shitty side of how I'm doing. Um. But- so what's been feeding you lately? What have you been watching? What have you been reading? What have you been consuming? Oh, well, I have been getting into anime recently. Oh, what kind of anime? Um, so I watched uh, Death Note, which is like a classic anime, which was fantastic. I loved it. It's on Netflix for those who want to watch it. And then I watched a show called The Promised Neverland, which has been my favorite so far although I've only watched three I just gave you two of the three but that one was really good um it's about well actually I'll tell you about death note very briefly uh so there's a a notebook where you write someone's name down and then they'll die and it gets landed in the human world from like the shinigami which is the death god's realm it's in the human world and then it's what happens when this power is given to human beings I would love to watch that it's so good oh it's really good it's honestly so good i loved it it was great um and then uh, the promised neverland is about these orphans that are in this like orphanage and they pretty much discover the real reason they're in that orphanage what is the real reason i don't or, say is that, that a sp- you okay, should watch fine. it because it they revealed it in the first episode but i really hate giving away shows so it's honestly so Meanwhile, good. we're doing a whole episode giving away a show. <laughs> what are you talking except, about? Okay, except that's something that like people can choose to sign up for. I don't want to like give away the main premise in me describing about the show. It's good. Okay, okay, basic. okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so that show is very good. And that one's very new. The Promise Neverland is very new. Um, and then the one I'm watching right now is called Attack on Titan. And this one, it's like Yo, my heart, my heart. Oh my God, I can't, I can't. It's so, it's so intense, but it's really, really good. Um, that is, I think the last season is coming out this year, I think, I was told. Um, but I'm really enjoying that. Like, it's so good. Anime is great, different type of storytelling, um, very dramatic. I love it. I'm very much enjoying it. Um, that's been the main thing I've been watching. And um, I've been listening to a lot of Jack Harlow. <laughs> Do you know Jack Harlow? No. Oh, what? Yo, he's a he's a fly-ass white boy who can rap, and he is very good. Like, very, 
very good. Send me some. I will. I will. His music's great. When I was doing my shoot for Holy Trinity, um, I had to get up at four in the morning, two days in a row. And I just was listening to his album to like hype me up in the morning, drinking my tea in my kitchen. Like it's all dark outside. Like it's good. His music is great. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been um, watching, listening to. And then also something that I think we both have seen that we will talk about after you reveal what's feeding you right now. Um, I'm basic. I'm boring. It's really 90 day fiance over here. Mostly <laughs> like I just live for these storylines. Angela, what are you doing with Michael? Darcy? Just, I don't, my dad warned me before I watched, he said, Darcy's going to cry in every episode. And this girl really does. I mean, this woman. Um, so yeah, that's like my main bread and butter. Um, and at night I usually read a short story. Um, I've been working through short stories that have been nominated by, uh, nominated for Hugo and Nebula awards. So short science fiction and fantasy stories, Mm -hmm. um, because that's my jam. And I've read some really incredible stuff and stuff that's like across the board. Amazing. I read a story uh, a few nights ago that was about this sort of like dystopian future society where um, they basically put the codes to like nuclear bombs Mm -hmm. inside a pill in the heart of small children so that if like the emperor or the president decides that they want to use a nuclear bomb, they have to kill a child to do it so that they sort of have to wrestle with the idea of what it costs. Wow. Because not only are they going to kill the child in front of them, but then they're going to go kill, you know, possibly millions of children in another country where they can't even see. Yeah. And so how, um, I mean, the story's told much better, but it was like, you know, seeing two factions sort of grapple with their interests and trying to prevent a war and trying to survive a war. Mm, Wow. That sounds really amazing. Where are you getting these stories? Like, are they online? Just online. There's so many like short story websites that have like, you know, well-known fiction writers um, that host their work. And so I've just been like, Every night I read one short story and then I usually start a second short story and fall asleep. Oh, that's nice though. But you're also so busy. So the fact that you yeah, have time for that is pretty great. That you're yeah. still giving yourself time to engage with creative content. You know? Yeah, that's my way. Yeah. Keep it short, keep it cute, you know? Uh, I feel you. And I know something that we both watched is Framing Britney Spears. Yeah, Framing Britney Spears. I watched it a few weeks ago because it came out, I think, in the U.S. a bit earlier than it came out in Canada. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, horrifying to watch. Mm-hmm. I watched it with my boyfriend and we were just kind of, you know, overwhelmed by how different um, society and culture is. Looking back at um, what year was it? Two thousand eight or something like that. Yeah, like when Britney Spears sort of had her public um, crisis and shaved her head, and how the language we use is so different, and the kind of empathy we have towards people struggling with um, mental health issues is different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, And it was also just triggering because obviously 
um, this was before it happened, but um, my sister has um, schizoaffective disorder and she had sort of like a very public um, crisis. And so it was like seeing it on a different scale and having gone through it myself, Mm -hmm. just imagining what it must have been like for her family, uh, what her own experience must have been like, and like the lack of sympathy of some of these paparazzi photographers and everything. It was just mind boggling. It really was. I think for me, what really stood out was the fact that this would never happen to a man. Like, with the conservatorship? No. Yeah, exactly. It just, it it wouldn't. Like, a lot of the things that were used to justify it were based on her, like, being a mother or being capable in those ways. And I just, looking at it, I, I couldn't imagine that happening to a man. In, I just couldn't. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and um, I, I I think for me, when I watched it, what I kept thinking is, what are they saying to her that's preventing her from speaking? Are they threatening her life? Are they, is this legal? Like, legally binding her to not be able to speak out for herself? Like, what is it that's preventing her from addressing this with people publicly? And to have that level of control around you must be so, so sad. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I really was curious about, you know, how many people does she have access to or have in her life that are genuinely there for her? Yeah. Yeah. Cuz um, even like her mom, like where was her where is her mom in all this? Like what there's so many questions I had after watching it and knowing that it's still ongoing made it really really troubling like and that there's very little we can do to help. You know what I mean? Because it, there's so yeah. much we don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's pretty scary. It is. It is. That that can happen to somebody at in so public at such a, a big level, you know? Yeah, and I think what you said about um, the way we talk about mental health and the way we address people publicly experiencing issues with that has shifted so much. I didn't even really think about that until you pointed out just now. And I think what struck me is just um, like you said, the the paparazzi. Like, the, remember the guy, the Us Weekly guy. Remember mm-hmm. that he's like the he was like the head of Us Weekly for oh a, yeah for many for like a, I think about a decade, and that was while she was going through a lot of that stuff, and just the way that he was trying to justify what he did for a living and how he made his money. Even or the the paparazzi, uh, the, paparazzi yeah. the actual paparazzi, who was like, yeah, I don't think I forget what he said, but he was basically like totally not acknowledging that they were constantly antagonizing her and he's like she never actually told us to like go away like like she maybe maybe she went for a day but not forever and it's like bro like what like what are you saying it was it was wild that if for those who haven't seen it please watch it it's very eye-opening and um even the stuff with justin timberlake like i just so much was happening in front of us that i wasn't even fully aware of i think also because of my age Mm-hmm. and um yeah it's really sad and I really really send all my love and like positive energy to that space and to her world and I hope that she gets a way out of that yeah well we also have to look at the fact that there are many celebrities that are still having um public mental health crises in front of us like mm-hmm. what we saw with Kanye West within yeah. the last year or so yeah um and 
the public still doesn't really frame it in a way that is sympathetic to maybe what he was going through. Like, you know, when this grown man is kneeling in front of President Trump and saying, like, you make me feel like Superman, like, especially with us having, you know, seen his body of work and everything that he does and everything and, like, the conversations that have happened publicly about his mental health Mm -hmm. um, with him and his wife and everything. Like, why is it that we're not, our headlines don't reflect what so many of us know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Why is it still the spectacle? Why is it still like all you see is Kanye West says or holds press conference for presidential run or no, no, no. Like, yeah. it's like, let's, can we just speak about these things Absolutely. in terms of what they are? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's so true. It's, and I can only imagine like even to kind of circle it back to Britney Spears, like I can only imagine what that must have been like at the time to go through that and not even have the type of language we have now. Like even though with Kanye West, we're still not even speaking about it correctly, but at least we're talking, there are some people that are talking about it. At that time, nobody really was publicly. Yeah, you know? it was just, um, oh and gosh, and think about Amanda Bynes. Like, oh my gosh. There are so many people we can list who, yeah. who, um, they're just tabloid fodder. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, it's really wild and it's sad. And I, I don't know that documentary really shook me. Um, I really, it really did. But, um, yeah, yeah, that's something that I think I like when we both, when we both watch it, we have such different taste in things. So it's nice when we can talk about something we've both seen. You know? Yeah. Also like we have different, like, uh, busyness levels. Like it's true. I'm in a state where I'm constantly auditioning and reading scripts. So Mm -hmm. very often at the end of the day, I just go straight to bed or I watch like something mindless where Mm -hmm. I don't really have to keep up. Like it's like 90 day fiance is a very simple formula. Like I can keep (laughs) up with that, you know, I still Um, haven't watched it. Oh, I don't know. Every every episode we talk about it at some point I will, I'm not going to commit to it, but at some point I plan to. Um, one thing too that I did see that I would like to put out there is a documentary called This Changes Everything and um, it looks at gender disparity in Hollywood and it features a lot of really well-known actors, producers, and people in the industry and it is really well done. Um, very. Where did you watch it? I watched it on, it was on Crave, like you know how they just have like things playing randomly sometimes? Yeah. Um, so I think it'll be on HBO. Uh, for those in the states probably hbo max um and yeah i'm really it was really really good i would highly recommend it to anybody that wants to learn a little bit more about gender disparity particularly in hollywood i'll look out for it thank you yeah um well i feel like that's all that we have for what's feeding us um so let's move on to talk about i may destroy you and honestly guys there's gonna be so many spoilers so like i would recommend pausing this and watching the show and then coming back to listening to the next portion of our episode hi everyone so now it's time to talk about the genius show i may destroy you by uh created and written by michaela cole um for those of you who haven't seen it please watch it um but i think we really wanted to dedicate this episode to discussing this show because it really it was 
brilliant and it did not get the recognition it deserved like most things yeah it's that black women do give her her things please for the kind of bravery and talent and skill that Michaela Cole expressed in this show and you know just the unprecedented nature of it like I've never seen anything like it before either um for the industry to not recognize it by nominating it and awarding it is just such a disappointment but not a surprise (laughs) yeah for sure and and I think you know there was so many moments in that show where you really felt the pain and the I guess the honesty of what she was trying to discuss with us and discuss through that show and then the way it concluded it just tied itself together really well it's just it's so good and it makes me so frustrated that we're still at a place where this industry is not acknowledging the work of someone as talented as her um so that's really why we wanted to dedicate this show to talking about it so let's jump into it um so we're just gonna assume that everybody listening has watch this show or knows something about it but um you know the basic premises of the show is um the show follows a young woman named arabella who's a millennial writer and who is piecing together um an experience of sexual assault throughout the series so the show follows arabella and her best friend terry as well as um, a few other characters in her world. Kwame. Kwame. um, Sorry, I'm like literally missing the names of the characters. Well, those are Um, like the three main characters. So there's like Arabella, Terry, and Kwame are like the main. Yeah, and then we have Theodora come in and a few others. Yeah. Um, And... I thought it was so interesting, like the story arcs of each of the characters, because obviously if you've watched, you know that as a story unfolds, we end up not only just dealing with Arabella's sexual assault, um, but experiences that both Terry and Kwame have during the series. Yeah. And, um, one of the things that's so unique about this show is that it deals with really nuanced and complex scenarios. So they're not necessarily seen as sexual assault for face value. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Like I think one of the best examples of that is Terry's arc where, you know, she has that threesome in Italy with those guys and then later on in the season, she realizes or she kind of pieces together that they knew each other when initially well, it's brought to her them. attention. Well, it's on brought a date. To, yeah, it is. But like she kind of also thinks about it. She's like, oh, my God, they because they actually like left together. But when they met and originally, it was as if they were two strangers that she was kind of choosing to sleep yeah. with together, you know. So she went into it thinking that she had all the agency and all the she was driving it. Yeah. When really it was these two men. (laughs) Yeah. Really that's what happened. And I think that situation was interesting because it, it, it kind of interrogated the idea of, um, you know, it wasn't non-consensual sex, but the context around the sex was 
not really consensual because she didn't know they knew each other. And maybe she wouldn't have chosen to sleep with two men who knew each other if she knew that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And at the bare minimum, it's manipulative and coercive. And yeah, you know. exactly, exactly. And um, I think another another really interesting part to me was when they did the flashback episode to when they were in high school with Theodora. Yes, yes, that arc was very interesting to me as well. What did you think about that? I was kind of haunted by it because by the end of the episode, I didn't know whether I believed Theodora had been sexually assaulted or not when she wait what do you mean so you know how she at the end of the episode she's telling her stepdad that she well basically it comes out that she had made accusations against her father yeah for sexually molesting her Mm -hmm. and then she reveals that her mother told her to um to make those statements about her father Mm mm-hmm but we never really know if that's true or not. I thought that it because she I, I never questioned that, to be honest. I thought that really? she was admitting like, yeah, I she like she made me lie because the mom didn't like she didn't deny that she asked her to say that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I I wasn't questioning whether or not that scenario between her and the mom was true. It's more of like because of everything that happened with the school and mm-hmm. like this sort of ambiguous nature of, okay, this girl was like in the beginning, the sort of sexual encounter she's having, you can't tell if it's consensual or not. And then she sort of tells the guy, well, if you give me money, I'll let you record it. Yeah. And so then it seems like it's consensual maybe. And like, kind of. I just, it just all felt like it was um, teetering. Yeah. Yeah. And so through the whole episode, I never really felt like we were getting the full story from her ever. Mm. Like she was being coerced into things, but perhaps it's because she had already been violated. Mm. Mm. Yeah. My, it's interesting. My reading was a little bit different on that. Like I found that when she admitted that her mom asked her to lie, that was why she lied about being raped by that guy. Like, that was where she learned that behavior, to lie about sex in that way. So, but then why at the end of the, ep- or why throughout the episode is she running this sort of sex abuse um, support group and because saying I, that how yeah. much she hates sexual abusers and rapists? Because I think that my reading on it was that she, what her mom made her do, which was to lie, was... A form of sexual abuse like her oh, being exploitative about wow. about sex i didn't even think about it like that yeah but yeah that's like that's her it. mom sort of like asserting her own yeah like almost like co-opting yeah yeah exactly that's how i saw it that's why i feel like they revealed that at the end of the episode because it, then to me it validated her behavior about choosing to lie about like the situation that happened to her was already really fucked up where the guy was trying to record her from the jump and she's like, what are you doing? And then he was like, oh, I'm not even going to send it, whatever. And then he pays her and she already felt shitty about that. So then she exaggerated it and said, oh, he raped me at knife point, you know, but she learned that from when she was a child. 
that to get your way, you can lie about sex in that way. Wow. I didn't even add it up that way. You see how, you see <laughs> how these conversations just make things make sense. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, I have to rewatch the show because obviously, you know, maybe I was drinking wine that night or you no, know, had I, an edible. I, I see what you mean though. Like with that, like it seemed like it could have been ambiguous, but I, um, and maybe that was in my second, cause I rewatched it. Right. I rewatched the first half, but I liked that arc. Um, one thing that I thought was kind of interesting to bring it, what was her name again? Theodora. Is that it? Yeah. Theodora. Theodora. So Theodora and Arabella's like relationship when they both admitted in that at Terry's birthday party, remember how Arabella was doing that whole vegan thing, the vegan video. And then then she found out that like Theodora was getting more money because Arabella was black. Yeah. And then she was, she like admitted that's her. And then Arabella's like, yeah, I was the one that sent your picture to the principal that. And like, so it was kind of like this thing where like, I feel like it nuanced their relationship it made it more real it's like people yeah the white woman did some white woman shit by you know exploiting this black girl to get more money out of her but then it kind of showed where arabella also admitted to something shitty that she did you know what i mean like i liked that i liked that nuance in it where it didn't race was involved in the way they were interacting but it wasn't what was completely coloring this negative interaction that this black black woman yeah but it was yeah it was still there yeah but it was still there but it was nuanced i felt you know what i mean like she made the characters very real yeah, um, and I think that one of the things I love in terms of casting is that, you know, I think the casting was very deliberate. There is, you, you can never just sort of put things in like black and white, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, because you see all kinds of representation. You see mm-hmm. different representations of queer men, mm-hmm. um, you know, across the board of, yeah. of, of everyone. I think Kwame's, um, his no, character that one, arc. that one was interesting yeah like and it's like uh, the discomfort he felt when he was reporting his experience of sexual oh assault oh my gosh that was wild but it's it's i think so many people can identify it identify with it because it's yeah. the exact reason why so many people choose not to come forward because yeah. how do you explain that something that began as consensual became non-consensual yeah yeah for sure even especially in that scene when he was um he was telling the cop and then it kind of ends with the door the sign on the door where it says like this door must be closed at all times out of the safety for people in the room and i was like yo like they they just everything was very deliberate in that scene and i loved it because it it really like what you just said it shows why people don't come forward you know, and then even him being a man, like it was, I loved that they had that as a part of this conversation where sexual violence doesn't only happen to women. It happens to men. It happens to everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, and it is something that we have to contextualize and we have to talk about critically because it is nuanced. Yeah. And I think a lot of women can also identify with what happened to Arabella. Um, not with the sexual assault that sort of colors the entire, like the rape that colors the entire um, series, but um, you know, her experience with, um, oh, what's the character's name? Her experience with with Zane. 
Oh, with Zayn. Okay, wait, but I want to say something before we jump into Zayn and to Arabella. I want to continue something with Kwame's thing. I have a question for you. How did you feel about the fact that he slept with that woman and didn't tell her he was gay? I don't know. I don't know how to describe how I feel about it because I know how I would feel about it, but I don't think most women or I don't know if most women would feel the way I feel. So how do you feel? I wouldn't care. Neither would I. I wouldn't care, but I I understand. I think when Arabella got upset about it, it kind of put it in my mind where I was like, oh, okay, I see why someone would get upset. But I think, I guess I'll speak for myself. I feel very open about sexuality in that way. Like if a man's bisexual, that does, that's not a turn off for me. That's not something where I'm like, oh my God, like you fuck guys. Like, I think not. the it's issue fine. is that she didn't consent to being part of his experiment. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. sort of where it, it's a bit like, dodgy like, would somebody ha- i don't know like i guess for me i wouldn't really be i wouldn't re- i wouldn't respond that way or react that way that she did that that white woman did oh like, girl, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't i wouldn't do that but like i guess it is i see how like the show and that's the thing that about the show that's so fantastic is it it i was interrogating my own thoughts i was like well why wouldn't i be upset and then i kind of thought i'm like okay i guess i could see why somebody would be would feel a way about that why someone would react that way Mm-hmm. you know what I mean because there are also a lot of women who really like if a guy says he like has done like that episode of Insecure where they're talking about with Yvonne you remember that thing Girl, when she you remember that? you not discuss this I have only ever seen season one of Insecure wait what we'll talk about this later okay this is a, this is a discussion <laughs> for another day <laughs> sorry okay 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 well my point in bringing that up was that there are a lot of women who you know if their men are not are they see any form of queerness or anything that strays away from a straight heteronormative man as being very unattractive. Yeah. That's not me. Yeah. That is I'm okay. I'm, so I'm not on, me. Yeah. I'm on the same page with you as that. So um, I just found that very interesting. And when I was watching the show, it was like something I wrote down. I'm like, I wonder how Muna feels about this. So, <laughs> <laughs> like I need to ask her when we talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but I think it's important that they included it because there's too. like, again, there are so many nuanced experiences uh, in the show that so many of us can identify with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, without going into too much detail, like I know for myself and many other people. So the experience Arabella has with Zane, where mm-hmm. they're having consen- consensual sex. Yeah. But he takes the condom off. Yeah. During the sex. Mm-hmm. And. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she doesn't realize it till after the fact. And obviously, even after the fact, when they're on their way to the pharmacy to get some plan B, she's not like processing it as sexual assault or rape or a violation because we're not trained to. We're like not our, our sensors aren't adjusted to see that type of behavior, which is so common as being, you know, sexually violent yes for sure and i think for me with that uh particular interaction what really hit home was like thinking about the fact that if somebody's to do that as a like if you're as a woman if somebody does that and then you're afraid of getting pregnant let's say you have to now sit with that anxiety 
until you get the pill or you now have to think about, okay, well, what will I do if I am pregnant? Am I going to get an abort? There's so many other things that come into play with those types of interactions that men just don't have to deal with. And I think we're taught. And that's why it's so easy for them to do it. Exactly. And I think that we're taught that that stuff is just normal. Well, you have a uterus, so this is what you have to deal with if you choose to have sex with someone. And if something like this happens, you kind of just deal, you know, it's not, it's like what you said, it's not categorized as sexual violence. And I think what I really identified with is the, the speed at which I get comfortable with my discomfort in dynamics with men, at least Mm. in the past, like being in a situation where I realized that somebody did something that I didn't like or I was uncomfortable with, but because they're so flippant about it and casual about it, I assume that I must be the problem. So I just go with it. Yeah. You know, there's so many times where I look back on things, experiences I had in the past and I'm like, why didn't you slap that bitch? Why didn't you? (laughs) It's true. I should have, you know, Yeah. so many things that I should have, would have, could have. But I think the desire to be liked, the desire to not be like a crazy woman or whatever came into play. So I didn't call out shit that I should have called out. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Which is why I was like screaming in my boots when she's at the reading of her excerpt. And she just <laughs> says the truth. Yeah. That was, I honestly, at first I thought that that was in her head. At first I didn't think it was real. And I was like, oh shit, this is real. Oh my God. She's really calling this man out in front of his whole ass mom on this stage. That was wild. It was was brutal. That was wild. And And I was like, I was, you know what? (laughs) It kind of killed me Mm. just because when that character was introduced, Zane, Mm -hmm. I instantly was like, oh my God, he's so cute. (laughs) I was so into it. He was everything to me. And I was like, I like him for her. I think he's going to be good. And then he just had to go and be a man. His <laughs> arrogance was what kind of like I was like, you need to you need to park that over there, sir. There's a I lot. I know, but I was like, you know what? <laughs> I was like, give him a chance. Maybe he's insecure and he's just overcompensating or whatever. And it's like, no, he's just a dick. Yeah, <sighs> but he ended up kind of redeeming himself at the end. Yeah, but uh. like he did. I think he redeemed himself. I thought that what was interesting was that the publishing house or the woman the you know the uh the woman who owned the house that she still let this man write a book but you know what that didn't surprise me it's a i'm like this is the industry though this is what it is she seemed like she just had her bottom line like like she like you know when arabella first meets her and she's like oh you're a, a black woman and arabella assumes that there's gonna be this sort of like kinship between them yeah or like you know they were going to be kinfolk, but again, yeah. not all skin folk are your kinfolk. Oh. <laughs> and, you know, as soon as we meet her, I was like, oh, she's, there's something cooking there. Like yeah. she is just. Yeah. And even her reaction when Arabella asked her to meet the author. Yeah. Like, like she was like, they can't like, no, she can't help you. And I was like, okay, that's just why you're being a lot right now. Like this is a lot. But um, yeah, that, that storyline, I think that arc was really interesting. I think that Zane redeemed himself. I also like that, you know, there wasn't this, she called him out, but then at the end she still used 
I know this might sound kind of jaded, but she still used him to get something that she needed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't, like, this whole thing where it was, like, I'm never talking to this guy again. She acknowledged that, like, she had that time to do that. And then she made the decision to still work with him. It wasn't forced on her. She made that choice. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. So let's talk about the sexual assault that happens at the beginning of the series that she's Mm -hmm. trying to sort of resolve through through the show. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you feel about... What's the guy's name? Alm? Who's that? Oh, her friend? The guy? Yeah. Who was cheating on his on his wife? Oh, sorry, Simon. Simon. Sorry, yeah, the, that's, that's the actor's right? name. Simon, yeah. Oh my god. He was just like he was just creepy. I didn't I you know I was what? suspecting him for a minute. I, I never suspected him. I just he to me is like you know when you talk about men who are like oh like i support women i love women and then their friends are out here talking shit calling women sluts and hoes and bitches and telling them about like pretty much times they've assaulted or raped women and they say nothing that's the kind of person he is to me in my mind when i just you act like he actually did this shit in real life girl but like that's how i felt like i know guys like that that would just not say anything. They don't do anything. They they say they have your back, and then when but they it don't comes actually. down to it, when it, it's behind closed doors and they can get away with not having your back, they do it. They do a hundred percent. You know, so I um, think that character was really relatable to me. Um, because I know yeah, it was really that. disappointing to see how his desire to you know hide his indiscretion was more important than telling her the truth about what happened that night yeah so she could piece it together right and also like okay to me something that not to stray too far off topic but something that really I didn't like like I was always taught from when I was young that if you go out with your friends you never leave them like you make sure everyone's accounted for you go you make sure everyone gets in their uber or their car to go home so like even the whole thing with like Terry and like even when they were in Italy and she just kind of like dipped and left her to me that's wild that that's was so wild. funny because me watching that episode was like I had a trip to Croatia where that whole play-by-play <laughs> literally happened I'm not gonna tell you what parts <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that literally happens. So, and I'm, I wasn't raised that way. And I actually am the type of person who will go to a club with you and leave you like a hundred percent because not to say like, maybe I'm trash. Yes, I am trash. But, but because my attitude is like, we're grown. Like if you see a cute boo-boo by the bar, go for him. I'll go over there. We do our thing. You let me know. Are we going home together or not? Bah, bah, bah. I wouldn't leave the venue without like giving my girl a heads up or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But like, like this isn't CP24. I don't have to be on you. Yeah. No, that's, that's true. I think for me, like I've just had a lot, like in my friend group growing up, I was always the, the, the one that could take care of everybody more so like I was like the more level-headed I never was the the pastel like falling everywhere so I was always making sure my friends were like good like I would be I always say to my friends even to this day if they leave my house I'm like yo message me when you get home and like I don't know so to me that whole dynamic is very foreign um so even like back to her friend this guy what's his name again Luna 
Which friend? Which guy? The, the guy, the one we were just talking about. Oh, Simon. Simon. Even with Simon leaving her, it's like, to me, you just don't do that. You just Well, it's like if you that. see that she's as fucked up as she obviously was, yeah. then yeah, you don't do that. But it's for me, I don't know. I guess my attitude is always like like I lived on Queen Street for years. Yeah. I was always that way where it's just like pop in, pop out, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't call anybody. I don't yeah. I mean, I was just I, I guess like I'm sort of an independent spirit and I've traveled so much on my own. Yeah. So I'm just so like live and let live. Yeah. Yeah. That makes I sense. I probably should be better at that kind of thing. <laughs> nah, you're fine. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think that whole, the arc with him was like really, I don't know. I think that it, it kind of triggered me in some way. Like even as I'm talking about it and I'm realizing like how passionately I'm saying I don't like this person. <laughs> I know. You, you said it with your whole chest. I did. Cause I like, I just, Man. I know that kind of, I know that kind of person. And even the thing he was doing with his wife, it was like, bro, she wants to have a threesome with you. And you have, where do you get the audacity? Where? You're going to go cheat on, on your wife with a woman she wants to have a threesome with. For what reason? I, what, I, was I, the reason? what was the reason? <laughs> what was the no, reason? No, because, because in that way where I think maybe some people feel small if, it's, if they don't feel ownership over it. Because for a lot of people, sex is about power. It's not actually about the pleasure. Yeah, it's true. That's a that's a and very that good, like you know what? making I'm it taboo to that, making it taboo, making it like secret and mysterious increases desire. This is true. That I guess everybody that was... needs to watch some Esther Perel. Okay, uh, I don't know what that is, but I, I'll do that. Swing that. Sounds like fun. YouTube. 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 Oh, YouTube. Okay. <laughs> um yeah like i i think that whole arc and then the fact that the girl okay what was funny was when the girl um that they shout out to ann aiken yeah she plays um what was her character's name oh Oh, um, gosh she was Alyssa, oh, the girl that he Alyssa, cheated. yes, Alyssa. Yes. Okay. So Alyssa, when when the wife comes to Alyssa's house, she's like, honestly, I would do this today, but like I just don't have the energy. And she just like closes the door to her face. I was like, yo, what? People, audacity and people. I don't get it. But yeah. that was that was a very interesting arc. And I, I wish I could have seen what happened. I know. I wanted more from that. I yeah, really, like, really what did. What did the wife end up doing? Like, did she end up? She went home and 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 you know, but that was took care of business. I guess so. But anyways, that was a very interesting arc. That guy, not a fan of him, and I feel like his friend that he was with at the beginning knew the whole time, and I did not like. That was just the whole that whole interaction just felt very uncomfortable to me. It's like they all had this this secret that she didn't. Oh, know oh, there, so. you know how who we need to discuss? Who? Her Italy boo. <gasps> Italy boo. First of oh, all, my God, this talk guy. about dusty men. <laughs> What's his character's name? Biagio. Right? Biagio. Biagio. Biagio the bum. <laughs> there was so much wrong with that whole so dynamic. Much wrong. Oh my God. He was just but like. The, like, there were so many moments when watching the show, I was triggered and I was brought to these places that I had like long forgotten from like my wild days in my 20s or I started feeling anxiety or tension in my body because I was like, Oh my God, I know this thing. I know this thing. And like, 
you know, her in this like desperate, like cry for help or whatever, going to Italy and like finding him and hoping that this thing, and, and this is after obviously like he's had to go to the police station and do the rape kit to prove that he's not the rapist and him treating her like absolute fucking shit blaming her for her rape that was absurd yeah and then her going to him in the way that we like as sometimes you know hurt individuals will go back to our abusers and protect our abusers or whatever going back to him and his reaction but like also she do that whole situation her going back like putting her foot through the door to get into the apartment building, finding his key. Like, could you imagine pulling up to your house and someone who lives in another province or another state is inside your house? Oh, no, no, no. I That would freak me out a lot. <laughs> like, but then did he have to pull a gun on her? To Okay, but like, I didn't think he'd pull a gun on her, but like she was wiling. Like she was wiling. I This was the thing about that whole dynamic. I completely understood why she was making those choices, but I also understood why he made the choices he made too. Because I think it's like she was literally about to kick his door down. And then what would have happened? You know what I'm saying? Like, and it wasn't like she wasn't, she was being violent. Like she was kicking the door down, but that's because she was extremely hurt. Like you said, she was going back to an abuser and looking for something in him that she felt at the high moments of their interactions. Yeah, but that wasn't there. And this is, I mean, this is like for any woman, man, like, like you can tell so much, like don't judge your relationship by when you're on vacation and you have money and everything's cute. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like judge your relationship by how a man treats you when you're in the trenches. Facts. That's true. Even any person, like man, woman, anything like, you know, you it it people show themselves in those moments and he showed his whole ass self but he was showing himself from the beginning it's like your first interaction with her you didn't you weren't vibing with her because she was messy and she was on drugs yeah no and then you dated her and sold her drugs no but that was when didn't they meet at the basketball court yeah, they met at the yeah. basketball court. Oh, so they met at the basketball court and, and then, then they saw her at the club, but was, huh? And then they saw, he saw her when she was on the drugs he sold her. Yeah. And yeah. was, but was like low key judging her. Yeah. He was a little bit. He was. But then, so, you know, the man, his morals were slippery at best. <laughs> very like loose. Being very, very loose. but like even okay one part though that i did absolutely love about their interaction was when they were having about to have sex and she said she was on her period and she took out her tampon and then there was like that blood clot scene that whole part oh yeah i was like this is real yeah something i've been saying for so long is like how messed up is it that we can go watch all these fucking war shows, Game of Thrones, all this shit where people are getting their whole ass heads cut off, there's blood squirting everywhere, but we never see period blood. I it know, it's ridiculous. No sense. Like I see even- period blood all the time in my life. I accidentally dunked my diva cup all the time <laughs> <laughs> on myself. I managed to flip it inside out while it was still inside me once. And then oh all God. the blood it didn't even run down my leg. It ran up. I was doing, I think I was like oh, bent over or something like that, but it ran up my pants. 
and then splattered on the floor. Oh my God. And I was like in like a, a facility with all these men and you should have seen their faces and it stunk because it's like diva cup blood. (laughs) Sorry. Anyway, digress. I digress. (laughs) Oh my God. I need to hear more about this story. That is wild. But like, I have a wide set vagina. That's all we need to know about that. (laughs) I love you. (sighs) But like for real, when I saw that scene, I was like, that is how I know this shit is real. Like, it seems like such a small thing, but it's really not. That was representation on a whole other level that just needs to be normalized. We need to be seeing more period blood. We need to be seeing those moments because they're real. They happen. And I hate that it's not a thing. And we're so desensitized to other types of grotesque blood. Grotesque things, <laughs> but not period blood. Yeah. Cha. Anyway. Um, speaking of representation, I thought it was really interesting the choice she made to cast her her roommate um who who is ben i didn't even know that was his name yeah well we don't really know much about him we don't know and how like this roommate who's in almost all the episodes and who we see periodically coming in and out and he seems really pleasant and really nice is this white guy but we don't really know much about him and there there's just not much there Mm -hmm. and i thought it was so interesting that she cast a white man for that because I feel like so often growing up in movies and in on TV, that's the kind of role that was relegated to people of color. Yep. It's very true. And so it, to me, it seemed like almost like a deliberate way of pointing that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a really good point. I think even on to, to your point, um, most of the main casts are all dark skin. Like Terry is like light skin kind of, but she's like brown to me. You know, she's light skin to me. She's light skin. When she was younger, they made her lighter than she was when she was older. I think. Oh, can we talk about how younger Terry was like such a vibe with older Terry? Like the best <laughs> match I've ever seen of two characters in my entire they were, life. Before that was a vibe. I was that like was a vibe. accuracy. <laughs> I really, I, I didn't label her like she's. I, I thought that she was kind of brown when she was older. When she well, was I don't adult. label her as like light skin. Like, I don't really think of it in those terms, mm-hmm. but like as someone who is a dark skinned woman, mm-hmm. I'm like, that's not dark. I wouldn't label her as dark skin, but she, you have like her, you have, sorry, you have Arabella, you have Kwame. And then a lot of the love, like the guys that Kwame was seeing were all dark people. You had, yeah. like, there was just a and lot of representation. Very good looking. Of, oh, so good. I, I was loved living. I was especially the last guy the last Ooh. guy the guy with the when he went to the dinner oh I was like y'all are a vibe like fix me a plate please right like why are you trying to leave bro hang out chill I out oh I was like let me enjoy this yes right but um I think that like you know to kind of go back to what we we're saying before like she really did make intentional choices with that where like there were a lot of darker skinned people that you saw in it and then the fact that she made a white man this side character was just it was brilliant also interesting that the perpetrator of her rape was a white man yes um and not the kind of white man you would expect to commit a rape at least not on television like again representation it's normally somebody who is imposing and yep you know, or yeah. like 
very obviously creepy looking. Yeah. And in that last episode where we see three different versions of her sort of reconciling the whole experience and mm-hmm. confronting him. That's that. Oh my God. Have- which is, you know, brilliant in itself. Yeah. And I mean, we'll go into all of that. Um, I think the visuals alone of that last scenario mm-hmm. where she fucks him. Mm-hmm. That tells you so much, I think, about why people maybe were intimidated by the series or felt uncomfortable. Yeah, it's so true. That's it's that's a really great point because that whole last episode, it was it was alarming. It was I couldn't look away. I was just like, where what is and then once it clicked in what was going on i was like yo damn like you this is why you didn't get your things this is why because this shit people can't even fathom it you're flipping so many things on their head you're gonna make so many people very uncomfortable with this yeah and i think that like the kind of people and gatekeepers who would have been able to nominate and you know make sure that this show got the recognition it did were the very people that I think it indicted. Exactly. Exactly. Like the way that they were represented in it, they did not like that. The people that looked like them. And were I the was villains. living. <laughs> they were the villains. It was yeah, that that whole I, honestly at first I thought the first one where they like beat him up, I'm like, wait, what? I thought it was real. And then well, I, yeah, the, the first version, like, I think that that's sort of like the trick. It's like, oh, yeah. you think that this has really happened. And then you go back and then you realize, oh, I think they're cycling through different versions. Because when you see her putting up the little, um, her notes on the yeah. wall and it's yeah, like yeah. she's rearranging the story and she's doing different versions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think we ever get a picture of what the final version was at all. I think we did. You think I, the last one was the final? No, I think that when she... She yeah, she chose not to go back. That's what I thought happened at the end. Like she cuz she he asked her cuz it kept the scene kept starting with her roommate Ben asking her, "So what are you doing tonight?" And he was like, "Oh, then she's Oh, like, oh, oh yes. And then the last one, he asks her and she's like, "I'm no I'm, I'm just saying I'm, I'm yeah. done that. I'm not I'm done that. I'm done with doing that." And then it kind of flashes forward to terry and the commercial and then the book launch to be honest though i had to read afterwards to like make that that assessment like final in my mind because i was like wait so that is what happened right like she did she chose not to go that was the choice she made yeah i don't think i had fully fleshed that out yeah yeah i also thought it was brilliant that she named the bar where the sexual assault happened called uh it was called ego death i loved that i noticed that the first in the first episode i was like oh shit's gonna go down i kind of knew the show yeah. was about before but i was like that is so smart you're so smart yeah and i think that like <laughs> there are so many little easter eggs throughout this show so and many. i think if we go back and watch it a couple times um the more we'll learn about her and you know the story that she is trying to tell mm-hmm. um there were so many little subtle things i think it was like in the first two episodes so much of the music was just female rap yep from london yeah and like i was just moved by that i was mm-hmm. like wow like 
your bomb. The, the, like starting off, yeah. it was the music was incredible. I also, and also the fact that like, you know, how many times have you watched a show with a black woman who changes her hair all the time and like we're not having conversations about it? Yeah, I know. You know, well, I mean, there was that one episode where she goes to the hair salon or whatever, but it's like it's not like like the way that many of us black women are, which is we hair, change our hair all the goddamn time. You see oh. me. Sometimes I'm wearing a wig. Sometimes I'm not. Yeah. Sometimes my hair is just wrapped. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I will say this as well. I love her with no hair. She is stunning. She's so be like, she literally, could her have structure. Oh my God. I'm just like, you are so by God's ebony literally like literally oh my god i loved it i loved and i just loved the i liked her like jaw dropping like when you look at her i it's it's there are no words literally perfection angelic and and the way that they lit the show as well was and the way they lit this her skin in in very simple scenes it was just i i loved it they did such a good job with that um yeah it was it was a, it's definitely an experience like I honestly don't know if I could watch it again because it's it's hard to watch <laughs> um or at least I had to get, I'd have to give myself quite a bit of a break but I'm happy that I'm also kind of happy I didn't binge watch it and I did do it in pieces even though it was unknowing I am happy I, about like that. my partner and I we definitely you know we'd watch one episode like we watched over the span of maybe two three weeks mm-hmm just because we'd have so many conversations after each episode and mm-hmm. it was a lot to digest. Yeah. But also, you know, for me, like I had a very uh, colorful period in my twenties, mm-hmm. let's just say. <laughs> and, um, a lot of it was triggering. Like even in that last episode where she takes the rapist home and she wakes up in the morning and they have like consensual sex or whatever. And she, and he's like, I'm not going to leave until you tell me to yeah that gave me so much anxiety because you know back when I was single in my 20s I did not have I didn't like having people in my bed and I did not like waking up next to anybody Mm. because of just attachment and expectations and whatever Mm -hmm. and like you know, I'm wa- I watched it and watching her go through the whole season with everything she had to unpack and be in bed with him. I literally was like panicking. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was a lot. And even at the end of that scene when he leaves and then the like dead beat up version of him leaves behind the. Mm-hmm. The symbolism in that was incredible. Holy shit. Like, you know what I think upsets me? the most about this show not getting the recognition it deserved was something that you said at the top was how much vulnerability must have been involved in this show in creating this show the the places that she went to to create something like this that allows us to have these conversations right now that made you and your partner have conversations about consent about sex in ways that we have not been able to that is what is infuriating to me that this wasn't a vanity project this wasn't at all not at all this was something that she went to a very real place and made art that spoke to so many people in many different ways and that is not getting the recognition it deserves but i think it's something for us as like black filmmakers and creators to recognize is that for sure we could do the very best put everything 
on the page, do absolutely everything that we can to make a project as authentic and real and defined as possible and it won't make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Until the very fundamental structures of this industry change. That's like this, you know what? It's a thing too where we have to be the ones that give each other our roses. You know what I mean? Like we have to be the ones that are Girl. acknowledging this. And um, that's like this this tweet that Solange put out um, in 2017. Create your own communities. Build your own institutions. Give your friends awards. Award yourself and be the gold you want to hold my G's. Yes. That is why. Thank you. That is why. You know? So. Well. I feel like we have tapped into almost all the aspects of the show. We've gone through all the main I mean, art. we could go through so much more, but I think that's a great place to end. I agree. So, Keisha. Yes. I'm going to give you the award for most smartest, inspiring, <laughs> determined, passionate, opinionated, loud-ass friend. Oh. Doing bad bitch shit. <laughs> oh. Guys, we didn't plan that. That was so nice, Muna. And me an award? Yeah, yes, I'm I'm going. Okay, good. And <laughs> Muna, I'm going to give you an award for being the most supportive, the most kind, intelligent, beautiful, talented friend that I have. Because I am honestly so grateful for you and all the things we've been able to do together um, professionally and personally. You've just, you're such a wonderful beam of light. And uh, you get that oh. award. So thank you. You're welcome. Uh, you're welcome. I'd like to thank um, <laughs> the Zoom Academy. I would like to thank <laughs> Jesus and my parents. And. <laughs> Oh my God, you're the best. Well, thank you guys for listening to this month's episode. Happy spring. Happy April. Right now we have um, the CC column is going to be written by one of our collective culture writers, Bobby. And the piece is fantastic. I read it. It's great. Go check it out on collective culture website and on Never Parts website. I don't have the title right now. I don't think we finalized it, but it's there. Go read it. It's great. That's my only announcement, really. So, yeah, I think that's it. We're all done. Have a great month, everyone. See you next Bye. month. Bye. Collective Culture Creative Conversations, the podcast, is made possible by Never Apart and Collective Culture. This podcast is produced and researched by Keisha Chung, Muna Traore, and Anna Okoto. It is edited by Anna Akoto. The music you're hearing was made by the lovely Villa Beats. And if you like what you heard today, please rate and subscribe to the show. We appreciate you and your support, and we can't wait to bring you back more episodes. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next month.